podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hello, Aston Villa fans, and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast for our Burnley preview. Game's coming thick and fast, and we wouldn't have it any other way. Firstly, before we go any further, Paddy, do you know of any good solicitors? Because we're getting sued, apparently. I'm looking at it here in the comments for false advertising. I did say this is going to be on at one th- or at 9.30. It's now 9.35, but uh, I do have to put up my hands and say that uh, that's what I get for creating three links at the same time. I'm sitting in the team sheet tantrum link for Sunday, waiting for Paddy, cursing him, going, where the hell is Paddy? And then I realized I was in the wrong link, so 100% my fault tonight. 100% my fault. <laughs> at, least, at least you're honest about it. I, I was sitting here going, this, this fella's after falling asleep. <laughs> no, Paddy, I'm after I'm after a can of Monster Energy there about, about half an hour ago, so um, because I might be needed for uh, for waking up with, with the lady tonight. Um, she's a bit unsettled, but she'll be fine. Right. Um, so I said I better better fuel up now uh, in case she wakes up between now and midnight. Anyway, that's my dem- that's my what? Gotta be done. Gotta be done is right. Gotta be done. Um. Anyway, hopefully Aston Villa don't show up five minutes later into Turf Moor at, at the weekend like we did right now, Paddy. Because this is one of the games that I marked off at the start of the season is one that I was really looking forward to. Um. I was really looking forward to it from the point of view of uh, they're an interesting side. They're uh, they're a fun side to watch. Uh, Burnley mm. um, companies getting a lot of credit, like like a lot of people anointing him at the moment, and very well maybe correct. Um, I would just say to people, Patrick Vieira this time last year was also being anointed for uh, for being a yeah. great manager. And now he now he is no longer in the position he was in. I'm not saying the Vincent Company is going to be uh, going to be uh, binned or anything like that from Burnley, but what I'm getting at here is that that and they completely play two different styles of football. But early season for teams catching teams out um, is it's 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 what the Premier League is almost famous for. And I will go back as far as Hull. Phil Brown days, you know, I'll never forget those days. Hull and Phil Brown, they had no business being that high in the league in the first season that they were there. Or you go back to George Burley uh, for with with Ipswich, Marcus Stewart yeah. scoring goals for fun. You know, I'm not. I'm obviously look. I'm I'm not casting aspersions against Burnley. They're a mighty good team, and I really like watching them and everything like that. As I say, um, I'm going to be really interested to see if they can if they can do a Brighton. Or if they will do uh, do a, a Hull or a, a an Ipswich because I like Burnley. Mm. I like it because it's a nodal town. Uh, it's a, it's a colloquial town, as I say, and and it's um it's just it feels like proper football football territory up up there, you know. So uh, that's my soliloquy on Burnley at the moment. Yeah, it's it, it, like Burnley is a great little club. We we haven't been treated to any decent football in the Premier League with with Burnley. Unfortunately, I didn't get to see the first match of the season against Manchester City because I was out coaching myself. But uh, and then their game against Luton Town was obviously postponed last weekend due to 
I'm presuming yeah. what's going on at Kenilworth Road and trying to get, get that up to Premier League level. So um, we haven't seen much of them. They did put out a very, very, very young side with, with the, the elder statesman being Sander Burge in the middle of the park at 25 years of age. Who I um, hope plays at the weekend as well, by the way. Spoiler alert. Yeah. I, 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 sorry, Josh Cullen was actually the, the, the elder statesman at 27 years of age, followed by Sander Berger at, at, at 25 years of age. So we're, we're going we're gonna to have a, a team that's full of life, um, full of vigour, full of... Full of uh, full of uh, trying to be you know and it's still they're, they're, they're not even finding their way because you know they've only they've only played Manchester City there's not a whole lot to, to base that on so it's probably a bad time to play them if there is such a thing but we're we're, we're in a decent place too so I, I would expect us to go and pick up the points but having said that there will be a little bit of trepidation there um I I, th- I think midfield like once again I I'm spoiler as well we've got another what 36 of these in the league to go at uh, pre-match no another 35 pre-match pods um I will be talking about our midfield getting on top an awful lot uh through the course of this year because I think our midfield is that good and I think it's that good that it can go to any midfield in the Premier League I'll be you know I think I think the what happened on, on day 1 against Newcastle was a real kind of rocket um, to to the the midfield, I suppose, as a whole as a cohort, um, like it's not going to get as tough as that. It, rarely get as tough as that in the league, you know, because uh, I think this team is is able to figure out most midfields. Um, we saw it last season; we were able to mix it with the best inside there to, uh, on, on the running. Um, I think Newcastle was one where we were totally caught cold. Now we go to Turf Moor. We're going away again, you know. So we're going away. See, interesting to see how how Unai Emery sets that midfield up, where he plays with Douglas Louise and Kamara as two sixes, kind of like he did against Newcastle, or whether we're allowed to engage more. I'd be, I would be very disappointed if we weren't allowed to go full on engagement in midfield because I genuinely believe Josh, like Paddy, we've seen a lot of Josh Cullen in uh, in, in an Irish shirt, pass the ball around any, anything from five to twelve yards. He can pass the ball in. Uh, I think yeah. he can be pressured. I don't think he's got any massive turn of pace. Um, you know, and Sander Burge, Sander Burge, like Burke or however you, however you pronounce it, talking about turns of pace, he's no pace whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So very, very technically good footballers, both of them. I think if we Newcastle them as in get right up in their faces, uh, and I know we don't have a Joe Linton to go out there and start uh, and be an imposing figure. But I think if we can engage as high up the field as we possibly can, um, I think that we can have some serious joy in that midfield. I, I, I see no reason for our midfield not to feast at, at the weekend. If we're if we play our game, and if Burnley, uh, you know, if if Burnley played the way that they played in the championship last season, um, because that's all we really have to go on when we look at them. As you said, the Man City game is 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 a thing of nothing really. But um, if it goes that way, I think our midfield have to be on form. That's what I'm saying. I think they have to be on form for us to 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 go to Turf Moor and to boss that game. Yeah, well, there's there's no reason why the midfield won't be on top. Where we're going to struggle is where we've we've got uh, a return in the last couple of games, which which is down the flanks and getting the ball into the box. So if yeah. they, if they're playing a tight three in the middle, fo- followed by two wing backs, we're going to find it that little bit tougher to get at them. I'm not saying we won't get at them; it'll just be a little bit tougher than it has been in the last couple of games. So. That's going to, for me, that's the most interesting battle. Do we vary it 
do we do we change it that we attack fully through the middle? I think that's the way to go. I think I think if we play two up top on their toes, play play the, play the guys uh, bursting from midfield. I think it could be a day for Tielemans to play those uh, eye of a needle passes mm. through the middle. Um, as much as I don't, I want to see. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about Kamara's form. Um, I'd like to see him play yeah. again, just just to just to get minutes under the belt and just to get up back up to the level that he should be at. But um, it, it would also be, I'm just saying, a good day for Yuri Tielemans to to start to 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 pick out a Diaby run or pick out a, a Watkins run off the shoulder. I don't envisage them playing very high. I think they'll play quite deep and hit off us and try and hit us on the break with the two youngsters on the wing. And uh, yeah, and then. You know, another young lad up top, but um, didn't have much to do and, and barely touched the ball against Manchester City. So it, it's going to be a strange tough game. It's going to, in that we were, it's kind of a, a journey into the unknown. I'm sure there's been plenty of look back at the at the team that come up from the championship and the last few games of, of the championship and how they how they set up there. Uh, and and then of course they've had they've had the beauty of a break. You you told me yesterday that they played Manchester City, is that or Manchester United, and they beat them three 0 Beat United three 0 in the behind closed doors friendly yesterday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it it is going to be uh it it is going to be it's not going to be a walk in the park. Let's say it's, it's going it's going it's going to be a, a a dull enough affair as we try and break them down. A lot of patience needed, but I do believe we have enough to get the three points. Yeah, like like there's they've done a lot of good business in the transfer market, Burnley. Yeah, and here we go. I'm gonna start throwing out some names here, and, and and what I mean by good business is they've done sustainable business. I think even if you take into account if they were, and I I, I actually don't envisage them getting relegated this year. I, I envisage them finishing comfortably anywhere from 14th to 11th. Um, I think that they're they're a very good side, as I said before. Um, what they've done they've done business. Based on, I think even if they get, even if they did get relegated, they've got young profile uh, players bought for good prices. I know a lot of people are seeing 18, 20 millions for most of their signings, but they're bought for very good prices that have sell on value, even if they get relegated, and also are young enough and have a lot left to prove in their career that they could stay in the championship and get them promoted again, and that would still be seen as a year of development for them. So what I mean by that is their players not out of their development phase yet. Like, they brought the the, the kid they have up front, um, what's his name, the the Swiss guy, Amdouni. Like he's five goals in five games for Switzerland. He's 22 years of age. Um, just like a, a very, very shrewd signing. Like, lots of clubs were in for him. Lots and lots of clubs were in for him. Um, and Burnley, you know, jumped jumped everybody and got in there for him as well. Same with that guy Wilson Otterbart, um, signed from Troy Trois. I don't know how to pronounce it. Um, eighteen years of age. Uh, like he's been playing. He's eighteen years of age. He's got a full year of uh, of senior football under his belt already. He won't be nineteen till November. You know, they've gotten, they've spent money on him. Yes, they've spent a lot of money on him, but they spent money on him. Another guy who's still in his development phase, now going to play at a Premier League team um, and will we'll get minutes there as well. Um, as I say, Sander Berger uh, was, was bought. He's, he's been brought in because he's got Premier League experience. He's a big, 
big man uh, there in midfield. Um, they've done other business, like they've brought in Nathan Redmond on a free transfer, which I think is shrewd as well. Uh, Daryl Shea at centre-half, good for us in Ireland to have more centre-halves playing in the Premier League. Uh, Stephen Kenny, favourite uh, in there at centre-half. Daryl Shea was pretty decent business. What was it, £6 million, Paddy? For somebody who has an absolute yeah. ball of senior starts, like at 24 mm-hmm. years of age, uh, I think he's like about 130 starts already, uh, senior starts, which is... You know, at, at 24 years of age, isn't bad going for somebody like that. James Trafford in goals, probably the, the heir apparent to Jordan Pickford uh, in, in goals for England as well. We saw him have a very good under-21 under 21 championship. And then you mix in the guys, the old, I said, it's a colloquial team. It's a team, um, you know, that 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 is very localised, neighbourhood-friendly kind, of, uh, kind of team. They've got the likes of Jay Rodriguez in there. You know, you've got yeah. uh, you've you've got the guys like Charlie Taylor, like um, what's the guy Connor Roberts? You know, those guys who've been with the club for a couple of years that are able to to add that kind of we're Burnley. This is what we're about. Jack Cork, uh, albeit uh, you know Jack Cork was um, did he did he play with Burnley before? Oh, he did. He was on loan with Burnley for a while. I'm just looking yeah. it up here. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but he's like he's there since 2017. So they have that backbone that that kind of traditional backbone that will will allow these young players to come into the club and, and know what the club is about. But they also have this exciting kind of spearhead towards this this uh, the the Vincent Company um kind of. It, uh, stamp on the team, if that makes sense. So, if I was a Burnley fan, obviously I'd be—you'd be excited being back in the Premier League, but you'd be excited with the the um, the sustainability that they've gone about their business at. Uh, if they stay up in the Premier League for one, two seasons, these these transfer transfer um, the transfers that they made today th- this season would be a drop in the ocean for them because uh, they'd be really able to compete then. So, I think there's a lot of lot of thought got into their their business and. And uh, they're going to they're going to be formidable at the weekend, I think for sure. Yeah, you frightened me a little bit with the with the striker there scoring five goals in five games. So I had to go back and have a look who they were against. He got two against Romania, one against Andorra, one against Israel, and one against Belarus. So I'm not I'm not I'm not as worried as I previously was when I uh, when I heard five and five in international level. And look, that's that's some strike record and and. You know, it only, it, it only takes a slight chance for a decent striker to score a goal. So we just got to limit their chances and, yeah. and keep them at bay. It was often thrown at Robbie Keane that he could only score against Liechtenstein and Andorra as well. And he didn't do too bad for himself. In, in, uh... mm. <laughs> but uh, by, um, by, by no. certain people that didn't, didn't uh, appreciate international football, obviously, and Absolutely. scoring goals at World Cups and stuff like that, obviously yeah. don't matter. I think for sure, for sure. But um, I think, Paddy, like... <laughs> I had him on the thumbnail there, Nicolas Zaniolo. By all accounts, he would have played last night, only maybe the club weren't sure whether he could or not. Travelled to Edinburgh anyway. I presume he would have travelled yeah. anyway just for integration into the team, see what match day is like. And I, I jest when I say that. The club obviously must have known. I know Unai Emery said that he might have got minutes against Hibs, but I would imagine that when he came out of that straight away, so would say that. Oh, well, well listen, 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 listen to my, my argument for, for why they probably did. Una Emery probably came out and they said to him, uh, Una, he can't play. And he went, oh, sh- uh, yeah, look, people, people misspeak all the time. I'm the king of it. I'm the king of having to confirm and clarify what, I, what, I, what I've said. Yeah. My reasoning for him traveling was integration into the team. New guy coming, 
big day. Everybody go it's Aston Villa are coming to town. Bring him. See what the preparation is like. See what the setup is like on the day. How do we go about our warm-up? What's what does Una Emery like in the dressing room? What's the vibe in there? Is somebody gonna come in there and just crank up the music? Do people like to be quiet? You know. That's I think that like it's professionalism to to do that to bring him around, but you know that's me always seeing the um, the glass half full. I think in situations like that, but you know administration errors do happen, and people may not have been aware of it. Remember last year we didn't we didn't name a full complement to subs, and then everybody was scrambling to figure out who or why or why it wasn't put down. If a person could sit in the bench, do we have to only have that amount of subs and so on? So it's not out of the realms of possibility that. Uh, they didn't know, but uh, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. Well, the reason the reason I'm not giving them the benefit of the doubt is number one, his shirt was hanging in the dressing room. There was a number twenty two hanging in the dressing room, and number two, somebody reliable told me today that UEFA told him when they arrived at the stadium that he couldn't play. So there you go. There you go. Make make well, make from that you want a reliable source. I'm not saying it's true, but a reliable source did say that UEFA told them when they got there. And look, it's an easy mistake to make. Uh, as far as I know, it was a different competition. It was Europa League. He played in the preliminaries for Galatasaray, wasn't it? Or was the Champions yeah, League? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was in Conference League anyway. No, but uh, you can play the group stages if we get there. Obviously, yeah. the rules are that you can play preliminary rounds, but you can't play for another team in the preliminary rounds but can play when it gets to the group stages so he'll be he'll be fine when we yeah fingers crossed eventually brush aside hibs next week and uh yeah on to uh on to the next round for him but i do expect to see him at some stage of the weekend um I, having I said that half an hour minimum for him yeah having said that i'm sure um unai emery will gauge how the game is going and whether it suits him or not um, if it's a drab affair with a very compact midfield in there, does that our midfield and defense does that suit him? I don't know. Um, w- will it be a case that you leave him off for the next day and spring him from the bench against Liverpool? Um, I, I, I honestly don't know. I, I wouldn't second guess what Unai Emery would do, to be honest. But uh, I'd like to see him get a run out. I'd like to see what he's made of. We've all seen him at his in his pump at, at Roma. If you haven't seen him. You can find YouTube clips, but I remember I'm absolutely destroying. I actually spoke to Jordan, who comes into the comments. Spoke to him today, who's a big Roma fan, who was absolutely glowing, talking about him. Can't wait for him to see him play. And my my only memory of of seeing him play was him absolutely destroying Sampdoria in a game once, one hungover Sunday morning while I was lying on the couch, and I went, "Who the hell is this guy?" So. He's ours now, and hopefully we can get him back to the levels he was playing at that day because he was absolutely incredible. I uh, I actually think, Paddy, you mentioned there about if it's a drab, uh, tight affair in the middle of midfield. I think that's probably when we're most likely to see him because I could see him coming on, play that left side, McGinn shifts over to the right, or maybe even McGinn goes into the centre, Diaby goes, goes to the right, and then what you have is you've got interchangeable uh, three behind Watkins, um, at that stage, and I think that's probably how you would unlock that compact midfield because Bailey, as we see, as we all know, is a one, he's a, he's a one line runner. Like, uh, whereas Zaniolo is a bit more about him. You know, he's not going to be. He's got, bit, got. Well, first of all, he's powerful in the run, and, and as you said after the Hibs game, Paddy, you know, Bailey, I thought had a really good game against Hibs. There was one or two opportunities there where. Over, took too much out of the ball and ended up just falling down. You know, you're not going to see Zaniola fall down. You're going to see Zaniola lean on somebody and um, make them fall down. 
and uh, use that, utilize that to get out, get away from people, as opposed to try and do fifteen step overs or whatever. Plus, also, uh, he's running, his his support runs, his runs off the shoulder, his uh, his ability to to get into a back post is something that we miss. And I think the Hibs game could have been a bit of a giveaway for that because of the amount of crosses that the Luca Dean had that went to the yeah. back post, specifically to the back post. And there weren't or, or like, else he, told he's not a great header of the ball. <laughs> but that's fine. You like uh, yeah. that's like the crosses that are going to the back post, see how low um Ollie Watkins had to stoop for them. Like they're not high, white, and handsome crosses. They're they're almost chipped into the back post with with, with pace, obviously. You know, it's so it's where the ball drops as opposed to how high the ball comes in. Um also, once again, you know, just look at look at the goal he scored to win the the Conference League for Roma two years ago. Like that was a, that was an Ahmed Al Mohammadi um, area of the field cross that you would say he makes a lovely run in, takes a brilliant touch in it, and pass and finishes it past the keeper, dinks it over him. Like there's no way in the world Ali Watkins could finish the ball the way he did there. Like like, and this is me, the conductor of the Ali Watkins fan bus talking about Ali Watkins saying that he just doesn't have the composure to be able to just dink it over the goalkeeper like this guy did, like Zaniola did. What I'm getting at here is that what this guy can do naturally is what what will unlock the, uh, what would unlock this defense as opposed to what Bailey can do physically may not be able to unlock it because there's tons of players that are out there that can match somebody for speed over the first 10 yards. And I think Bailey's beginning to realize that, you know, in his career. Yes, he's fast. Don't get me wrong, he's fast. But a player doesn't need to stay right by your shoulder the whole time. He just needs to wait for you to get tired. You know, that's that that's that's the danger with fast players. Um, you can be outrun by somebody who might be one step slower than you, but can run for run for a longer distance than you, if that makes sense. Whereas Zaniolo won't need to rely on that. I don't know. So I'm going on. Get, I'm going get, on very lengthy tangents tonight. I don't know what it is. I feel very. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm excited. Yeah. That's why I think it is. I'm excited. I really am. Get me. Get me to my weekly question for you, Neil. Is there anybody in that team that gets into our team? I'll just check to see. Is Ashley Young there? Um, <laughs> 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 is there anyone there that gets into our team? Um. Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. I don't think so. I don't think so. And the reason I, I'm saying, like, no, I don't. Like, I wouldn't have those three midfielders that they have. No, they wouldn't even they wouldn't get past Tielemans. And our team, and once again, I'm not for if there's any Burnley fans watching, I'm not talking the club down, I'm just talking our club up because I think we're on a real upward trajectory. Uh, left back yeah. Vitinho, um, I uh, no, uh, Robert Connor Roberts, no, um, goalkeeper, no, like the goal, their goalkeeper might a lot of a lot of teams might say, Oh, do you know what? I take him, I take, I take James Trafford over our goalkeeper. Um, but not not our not not Emmy Martinez. He wouldn't. Yeah. Um, there 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 isn't there isn't you know. Getting a, yeah, might I, get I, a squad, but not in our starting eleven. Like, 
Exactly. I, I'd have to agree there. Now, there, there might be one or two that I get into the squad. I'd, I'd definitely take him as a backup goalkeeper if that was going to be the, the the standard of backup goalkeepers we had. But other than that, I I, I, I couldn't see any of the, the rest of, 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 of what played against Manchester City getting into our, our team or what I've seen play before getting into our team, for sure. I do like Jordan Bayer, but um, there's just some, there's something about him that I think he's like... I think he's just a yellow card machine. I think he's going to be a yellow <laughs> card machine in the Premier League, but I do like him. Um, and I do like Daryl O'Shea as well. I just think he's a good, like, not not for our team. Um, I am a, I, I think Daryl O'Shea polarizes some Irish Irish football fans. Some people really like him. Uh, most people really like him, but there's a core element of people who don't think he's a good centre half. I'm not in that in that group. I think that he's young. I think he's got a lot of learning under his belt, and I think he's going to come on leaps and bounds at Burnley. But... I still think I target him at the weekend over targeting uh, targeting John Bear, um, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, as I say, it's there could be not, if we're allowed to play at the weekend, there could be nice matchups. Yeah, and Matt Burton says I take no. that Aaron Ramsey bloke. Heard he's quite good. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's proof. So, he doesn't get in our first okay. eleven. <laughs> Well, there you go. He he, he couldn't ever get into our, our first eleven for a Premier League game, so he's got a huge opportunity now to go and play Premier League football, prove that he's good enough, and then hopefully, as I said, I still have the dream that we get the the three boys in the same team playing for Aston Villa. I think it'd be absolutely magic. Um, obviously, if they're good enough, um, and you know, as they always said when they were growing up, they got better as they got younger, and if that's the case. We're we're in for a bright future if if if, if as they say there's a lovely buyback us to to take him back. So yeah, happy days, Paddy. We're going to get on to the inevitable <laughs> question here. <laughs> the question here, Michael Salisbury, Paddy. Uh, keeping it PG. Um, obviously, Michael Salisbury has been um, involved. Wasn't he involved? He was involved in Man United uh, VAR mess up uh, for the Onana. Um, decapitation um, <laughs> that happened recently and also people forget at the end of last season in April last season Matomo was uh, tripped in the box against Spurs and he was also the VAR official that day I think I was part of the officiating team whereby that was blatantly missed and he was stood down for that game too so realistically speaking of the last like six competitive games in the in the Premier League he's been stood down twice <clears throat> Once again, Paddy, breathe in through the nose, out through the mouth. Uh, <laughs> we did. Go we did it. say. I, I think privately we did we say, did. Or, or or maybe it was Noel Connaughton said it that nothing sure that one of these guys stood down will be involved in the Burnley. I think we said it actually on the on the uh, podcast. We said it in the podcast. I think I put it. I think I said it on Twitter because. Uh, Ronan, uh, Ronan Farrell, I think it was, said to me, oh my God, at Love McGrath Pod on Twitter. And then I went, what did I tell you? You couldn't make it up. It's always <laughs> when the referee is stood down. Always when the referee is stood down. Their game back is for Aston Villa. Just always happens. <laughs> yeah. Because we're the nice, polite club that put up with this shit, unfortunately. Um, like the... Uh, it, it was funny looking at... Um, a kind of a yo-yo system. One stands up, one sits down in in the technical area. We're defending a set piece. It's it's uh, it's Austin McPhee at the edge of the technical area, and our manager sits down like like the way rules are supposed to be. Whereas the rest of them, 
I haven't seen one person being pulled up for two people standing in the technical area. Apparently, uh, I was wrong on Twitter because um, Tyndall can stand beside the manager as long as he does it while he's standing at his seat. Like, it says nothing about that in the rule. One person allowed stand in the technical area is what it says. But I'm wrong, obviously. But anyway, there you go. I, uh, I, I, like, it's a complete, like, okay. When you're trying to fix the game of football, if you were to canvas every single professional footballer the world over and ask them, what rule would you most like to see implemented? Not one of them, not one of the professional footballers in the whole entire world would have said, I think Jason Tindall should sit down. Like, there, <laughs> there's not one of them would have said it. It is the most pointless rule. I hope teams, I hope teams flaunt it, and I hope teams take, take no notice of it. It's a stupid rule. It's like... Paddy, we're, we're in a situation like it's. It's. I, I agree with the rules. Like I'm. I'm not negative against the the increase in yellow cards that are happening at the moment. I don't like to see it, but I think I think there has to be a kind of a line in the sand so the players will learn. Look, you can't do this because we. You do have to give referees respect as well from that point of view. Can't sure. like you can't be Bruno Fernandez up in their face the whole time calling for cards. It really, it's a book bearer mind when people call for cards. I'm. I'm a fan of that rule. We are going to fall victim of it. Other teams are going to fall victim of it. Arsenal fell victim of it with Tamiyasu recently. I think that was a harsh sending off, as everybody else will. But there has to be a line in the sand where there has to be a course correction for players on the field as well. So I think that's okay. But to turn around and start booking people in the technical area when they're not being abusive, there's nothing going on. Like, what does it bring? What does it bring? They should be allowed. Otherwise, what you do is assistant managers have to sit in the stand. Like why? Why not banish them to the stand altogether and just have the manager and the physios on, and the subs on the feet on the on the sideline? It just doesn't. Make, it's 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 a change for the sake of making a change, and that's my little rant on it. Well, nobody seems to know why it was brought in. The one explanation that I was given is that the fourth official can't see what's going on. Like we we went a hundred years of football with no fourth official. So what like. What what's he there for? He's there to police that area. He's not there to watch the match. That's what VAR is for. You know, yeah, we've gone we've gone through we've gone through two two weekends of of Premier League football. We've we've had two uh, officials uh, had to step down last weekend. Yeah. We've had a, a yellow a red card which has been downgraded to a yellow card, rightly so, in the case of Alexis McAllister. We've had a penalty being given to Liverpool where nobody touched the, the player and it was still given and all these people and, and they weren't stood down because it was Liverpool. <laughs> That's the only other reason I could think of. If that had been at the other end, those, that, those two referees would have been stood down this weekend. And you're, you're, until they get it right on the pitch, they need to forget what's happening in the technical area. But they've brought yeah. in the rule, so that's why we're talking about it. It's a but stupid you... rule, absolutely pointless, and I don't get it. Yeah, I certainly don't get it. And I don't get the point of view that, oh, the Fort Fisher cat. What's happening? It's not like Jason Tindall is shadowing Eddie Howe and Eddie Howe's little catapult and he's firing stones at the at the right left back, you know, when uh, or the right back as, as they're yeah. passing by. Like what or he's got a laser pointer and he's shining. What they're not selling drugs on the sideline, like, you know. Why does he need why do the Fort Fishers need to be able to see what's happening? Like it's two for, men for me, having a chance. For me, it shouldn't be. It shouldn't be about the fourth official. The fourth official is there to police what's going on in that area. If that rule is brought in, for me, the reason that rule is brought in is so the people 
who are sitting on the bench, the players can actually watch the game without having to strain and stand up and look around whoever's standing in front of them. That is the only reason why I, I would imagine that rule is there. And if it is a rule, they need to police it and police it for everybody because we, we all know that they don't. Yeah. No, well, look, it's... It, I, I, you know, I don't want them to police it at all. Uh, I want them to just forget about it and just go, yeah, stupid rule. I want them to do like they did. Remember when, was it Rondry scored the goal uh, where Tyrone Mings... Uh, remember that offside goal that wasn't offside or that was offside that wasn't offside where the juggling balls Dean Smith said about the juggling balls where Villa played yeah. Man City and then they just changed the rule and said magically okay the rule is now changed okay after the game I think they should just come out and say lads look we're not going to enforce the technical area rule but be sound and just like if the fourth official says get out of your way get out of your way or else he's going to call you over and give you yellow cards for it so something like it's just it, to me it's the most pointless rule ever or you have two separate boxes because you know, if the fourth official can't see what's going on, is he looking at the game or what's he looking at? Because he can't influence the game. He's there to police the mm -hmm. technical areas. So if he's trying to figure out what's going on between manager and assistant, sure, couldn't they just be doing anything on the ward inside in the dugout? You know, it just makes no that it, if that's the reasoning for it, I'm yeah, <coughs> I'm I'm yet to be convinced. I think is the is is what I would I say. Agree. I agree. I agree. Um. Anyway, it's it, it's an interesting one, but um. I hope and, uh, and uh, I think this Aston Villa team are going to go out and dominate the game at the weekend. Uh, I can see, like I put up there on Twitter a moment ago, just before we came on, about Douglas Louise. I want to speak a small bit about him because in the last season, he was just a man possessed. The first few, uh, the games in preseason, he was a standout player. I thought he was absolutely fantastic. And the first three games of the season, he's been our Okay, yeah, he was a bit bullied in, against Newcastle. I think all the midfield were. I think it was just a midfield spacing issue, as I've said before, about standing on our centre halves toes, and, and it just didn't suit us. And I think judging, I know Everton and Habs, it's hard to judge, but but looking at those, Dougie just ran the show. Um, ben Davis, uh, I think, is, is it Ben Davis or um, apologies on Twitter? Uh, he was at the game yesterday in Edinburgh, and he said to me, he, he, he tweeted at me saying that some of the Hibs fans are saying he's the best player they've seen in the flesh. They said he was just absolutely amazing yesterday. And I thought he, he ran the show yesterday as well, um, as, as likes of Dina and, and Watkins. So for me, I think he's just so pivotal to Aston Villa at this moment. I think, and I think Unai recognizes it, and that's why he's brought in Tielemans, who is. Maybe a step down, not a step down, but you know what I mean? A couple of percent down from him and what he can do with the ball and the pace he can do with that and everything. But I think that that's why he was brought in is because Unai looked at it and went, I need this guy in midfield to be able to play what I want yeah. to play. And and I think he's just so pivotal. And I'm really looking forward to seeing him at the weekend because I think this midfield, we could match. We could. I don't know for certain. We could match up well against them. And I really, really hope that we do because I think that's the winning of the game for us for sure. Yeah, you mentioned the word pivotal there. I think that's that's the word you were looking for on, on Twitter when you left the blank for Douglas Louise. He, he's pivotal to what we do. He is probably our best player at the moment. I I, I, I couldn't, with the exception of Emmy Martinez, for obvious reasons, there's nobody else I would hate to lose other than Douglas Louise. He's absolutely immense. Um, he has really grown into himself. He's really, really, really bossing the games, and we, we we've got to we've got to treasure that, you know. And and as you say, he, like it, for for fans to come out and say he's one of the best players they've ever seen in the flesh, he's just he, he he's effortless. Um, in, in at the end of last season and the beginning of this season, obviously things were a bit uh, 
fractured, let's say, against uh, Newcastle. But he just looks like he's 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 reading the game a whole lot better. He's he's obviously been worked his his out of possession play has been worked on an awful lot with the manager, and he's just he's just a joy to watch. It, he, he, like he, he knows where the ball is going to be before the, the other players even made the pass or even thought about where the pass is going. He can see the danger, um, out of position. And you know w- w- when you when you see it on a on a wider picture or or in the flesh at a match, it's great to watch. Absolutely great to watch. And for me, he's the one one person we can't be without other than Emmy Martinez. I think so too. Uh, well, considering we only have one fit strike, well, one senior striker at the club, <laughs> I think you know. That's there, there's an Ali Watkins there as well. Um, and and, and yeah, and, and I think over the next few days, I would say, what I don't know anything before anyone says anything, but I would say, watch this space with regards to a striker. I've I've been big on this since the whole since the start of the window. I still think my my older striker is still the, out there somewhere, and he's still out there, and he's gonna come and he's gonna score 10 goals for us this season, and we're all gonna remember him fondly, uh, next season. Um, but I still think he's out there, and I think he might be coming coming in. Well, he has to come in within the next seven days because we've only, only eight days, really, should I say? Because we've only eight days to bloody uh, get players in before the window closes. Um, Neil, I have I have picked out the comment of the night because <laughs> some people some people in the comments are talking about Anzu Fati, which I think is probably a little bit pie in the sky. Whether we're going to sign him or not, but Kieran O'Callaghan wins. Comment of the night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I no way I'm yeah. <laughs> on the back of my shirt as well, Karen. <laughs> I have enough people. I have enough people whispering it behind my back. I don't <laughs> without putting it on your back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't. I, I. It's one I can't see happening just because of what it's going to cost us and what he's going to look for in wages. Um. That's that's just my opinion on it. I think I think we've a long way to go before we're signing players of that ilk. But uh, who knows? Who knows? It could be it could be Munchie working his magic. We we've yet we've yet to see this magic coming up. But it, it needs it needs to start happening soon because we're now eight days away from the transfer window closing. I, I and to be honest with you, Ansu Fati would be a luxury. I think for Aston Villa because yes, he comes in, he starts instead of Bailey, but you know he's a player of. You know, if we were to if we were to go at hierarchy of needs within the club within the, within the team at the moment, I think a slight tricky winger who's maybe not as like who's obviously a go forward player and 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 maybe not contribute as much in defence mightn't be what we're looking for. I think the other guy at Barcelona, Ebde, um, is uh, is 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 somebody that might fit Aston Villa better. I'll be although be it not be the marquee name. I have a piece on him that I'm going to release. I'm actually going to release three different videos tomorrow um, on scouting videos. I've them done. I've just keep because stuff gets in the way. This bloody being in Europe, Paddy, is really messing up my scouting series because there's just so many podcasts to do to talk about games that I haven't been able to get them out. And then you record them and then you don't because mo- uh, like I've had to rec- pre-record them because we're coming on at half nine to talk about matches, which is great. It's a great, great uh, complaint to have. So I might release a couple of them tomorrow. They will be pre-recorded. Um, and I know one of them is sure to elicit some conversation. That for sure. Um, so well, I, I, I gave you a name. I gave you a name some time ago, and I uh, and his I still haven't sitting, done it. It's still sitting there, and I can see the date on it. So it's over a month ago that I told you. But I still reckon we're going to sign Ivan Freshnader. So uh, that's 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 my one little uh, 
one from left field before the end of the transfer window. Sporting Lisbon are in talks with him at the moment, apparently. So, you know, we'll, well, but they'd have to have, they'd have to have, they would have to have a, a bid uh, um, agreed before they can talk to him. But yeah. we'll, we'll wait and see. We'll wait and see. And and talking about things that are happening a week away. Let's talk about something that's happened two weeks away. Kieran O'Callaghan has also reminded us that only two weeks left for the Paul McGrath, or until the Paul, for the love of Paul McGrath. If you think I know the name of my own podcast, for the love of Paul McGrath, get together. I, I'm going to just start calling it, I had a Paul McGrath podcast. That's what most people <laughs> call it anyway. Um, but only two weeks before I get together. And uh, yeah, it's two weeks this Saturday. So um, as Fergie said, it's getting the squeaky bum time now. We better get ourselves in order for this. But um, uh, really looking forward to it. And um, anybody who is coming and specifically anybody who's traveling from places far flung places like Offaly, Wexford, um, and Birmingham uh, to come to the Donegal. <laughs> Donegal to come to the podcast. We're looking forward to seeing you all in a couple of weeks' time um, as well in, in Dublin in the Laughter Lounge. Um, I have set a like, I don't want to get anybody's hopes up, but there's a potential that there may be a very small amount of tickets that have returned that may go on general sale again. We'll, we will announce it. We will let people know. Obviously, it will be short notice coming up to the coming up to the event. But if people, uh, you know, if you haven't been able to get a ticket, I'm not going to promise some will go on sale again. But there is a potential that some may go on sale again, depending on if if people can't make it and, and, and tickets do come back to the venue. So um, obviously, we don't want tickets unused. So that's a kind of a call to anybody. Is if you do have tickets and you somehow for whatever reason can't go to the gig and maybe. Um, you know, somebody else would like to go get in contact with us and we will uh, speak to the venue and um, we'll try and sort everything out. All right. Because um, it's going to be a great day. Looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. I've got a couple I'm a bit, of, I'm a bit nervous now, I have to say. Yeah. <laughs> well, you, you are because I said to you last night, I've got a couple of things up my sleeve that I'm not going to tell you about. <laughs> so that's why you're nervous. Because <laughs> you're wondering, what's, this, what's he going to do to me? Um, don't worry, Paddy. It'll be all right. It'll be all on video. Don't worry. I'm not worried about that at all. <laughs> I could take anything neutral at me. If the heckler is in the front row, I'm worried about. Don't mind about the hecklers in the front row. They'll be fine. Paddy, remember you're the one with you're the one with the microphone, so your voice is amplified. That's what I always that, that was my that's what I always always would say whenever I was doing MC work or anything. You're the one with the microphone. Anyway, <clears throat> less of that and more of Aston Villa Burnley. That's kind of going to do it for us. Do it for us tonight, everybody. Um. Thanks a million for everybody for watching. I uh, really appreciate it. If you're new around here and you haven't subscribed to the podcast, we'd really appreciate it. Whether it be on the audio podcast or on YouTube, uh, as I say, if you even if you don't listen to it in the audio and you are subscribed on YouTube, please subscribe in the audio podcast. Just drives it out there. Not everybody watches YouTube. Um, and obviously, as I say, if you do like this, hit the subscribe button on, on YouTube and you maybe you might swing around again for our team sheet tantrum on Sunday. We will be back with that on Sunday and also a final whistle post-match pod as well on Sunday um, as Villa take on Burnley in, in Turf Moor. I'm going to throw out a couple of videos tomorrow that I've pre-recorded as well. If you saw like scouting series and like my opinions maybe on some players, check those out too. I'd really appreciate it. But in the meantime, everybody, stay safe, stay healthy and all that's left to say is up the Villa. Up the villa.
Social Podcast Network.